Hello, friends. Welcome Hello. to Mary's podcast with revolutionary humans again. And we're <laughs> doing season two focused on spring collaborations. This is Asia Ray. Today, we are in continued cahoots with my partner and do goodery, Bellamy Schaffner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds so enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, noon on a Saturday. Okay. Uh, last week's episode, we focused on collecting minority friends. And we talked about, you know, maybe don't invade affinity spaces for your own edification. And also the difference between using someone to create your community versus actually being in community with them. Um, so in this episode, we're going to kind of continue that conversation and tease it out to point out uh, why we stay on social media to stay connected, despite the harm that it does and how that's connected to the last episode. And then, however, uh, the invisible ways that our social media dependency does far more harm to the people that we're trying to connect with than um, helps, usually, most of the time. And then, of course, we're going to try to get two good ideas to avoid. Bellamy, <laughs> um, you got anything to add? No. <laughs> say something brilliant! <laughs> I didn't expect you to ask me that. I just was listening. I was like, what are we talking about today? I was in the intro and I was just, I was in the zone getting ready. I have nothing brilliant. So sorry. Two more times. Start shaking. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Today we're going to cover the triumvirate of mobility, the things that we need to do to actually get off our butts and do some things or stay on our butts and do some things if that's more accessible to you. Um, so today we're going to cover what is social media dependency and why we need to cut it out to raise kind and courageous humans along with one tip on how not to talk about your social media dependency so you're not being kind of rude. And then um, how we inadvertently weaponize our allyship to drag targeted people into social media to be consumed by the social media industry and then of course left to be picked apart by scavengers and trolls and in real life very dangerous people uh, then we're going to talk about how to transform the way we show up for each other without getting caught in a, uh, on a dumpster fire feed that sucks us dry and prevents us from actually helping each other while also feeling like we're completely drained um, and then we're going to send you out into the world with an assignment let's see if we can do that on less than an hour probably not but we'll try okay so as always we are here to raise kind and courageous humans and lead the next revolution um why do we need to talk about this in order to be the parents and educators and caregivers that we need to be um <clears throat> i mean we we often talk about especially in books for littles and raising luminaries and stuff um we need to listen and follow the lead of own voices first voices people with lived experience Obviously, first step. And then we need to contribute and support um, the collection, collective action initiatives, like we have to actually engage. Um, and most importantly, we need to model the difference between performance and action, the difference between sharing and liking and thoughts and prayers and actually changing policy and systems and cultural norms. So uh, let's talk about social media and what support looks like. <laughs> um, what I'm noticing when I think of a lot of people who consider themselves supporters, um, they keep up with current events, right? And I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm reading the news, I'm keeping aware. And this is, don't forget, Autism Awareness Month. It's very important, beware of us. Right, be aware. <laughs> also Velociraptor Awareness Month. Uh, you gotta watch out. <laughs> so, Keeping up with current events, that's that sense that because we're aware of what's going on, we're actually helping. But I think if you like step away, it feels it feels like we're helping. It's draining our energy. Um, but what it's actually doing is using the pain of targeted people and people going through tough, tough experiences as a spectacle. It's more of like consuming news as entertainment rather than to stay informed so you can take action. We talked about that a little bit earlier this season about making targeted people into a spectacle. Um, following someone, right? Like everyone's like, like, and subscribe and also follow me. And that is helpful because then they stay in your feed and you stay connected. But if that's all we're doing, that's not actually changing anything or helping at all. 
um, all that's doing is making a passive consumption of us as a product, like our experience, our labor, we became, we become something that you consume. And again, it's more about entertainment and the performance, even the sharing, right? When you share something is performing that you're supporting this, but not actually doing right. it. Right. Which isn't to say that boosts aren't helpful, like direct one-on-one and direct boost to say, here's why you should follow this and support. Awesome. It's not the same as just sharing a post about your privilege. <laughs> so anything, anything um, where you're doing something to kind of shallowly engage with someone to form a relationship or form a, the illusion of relationship where you're liking posts and you're sharing things that creates like a dopamine hit for the person on the other side, which actually seems like a nice thing, but it's actually keeping us connected and tethered to social media platforms that I don't think any of us actually want to be on. None of us want to be there. None no, of us. You know what I need in my life? More screens. Right. Right. <laughs> no one among us is like Instagram is my home. It's where I belong. It's done only good things for me. It brings me joy. <laughs> it's truly my best friend. None of us. Yet we all we all get sucked in. And maybe it is, but these are not our people. So there's some, so. <laughs> right. Those, the, you know, the people who that is true for have not yet figured themselves out. And just like, just like going to a march can be impactful, but it can also be performative. The question is, how is me showing up actually doing anything to change the rules to prevent more harm? Am I using this to like slowly engage myself and steep myself into more and more courageous action? Or am I using it to show up and take selfies, right? Um, so how can we connect with people and make policy change and, and raise kind and courageous humans if we are so damn busy and drained from scrolling to our feeds? Um, okay. <laughs> Let's see. First, a quick note on scaffolding. Uh, please do not ever anyone, and I have done this myself, uh, we are not going to do this anymore, use the word addiction as a flippant way to refer to dependency, especially on things like social media. There, there is a such thing as social media addiction, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about dependency, where it's like you get the dopamine hits, you really need to stick around for social reasons, that kind of thing. Um, but so my friend Rebecca S, and I will link to it in the show notes if I get their consent for a post. But um, this is a quote from Rebecca S, who, who has personally educated me on this, and I thank them. Uh, so we really need to stop using addiction incorrectly. An overuse of something isn't an addiction. Addiction is a response to trauma, which makes it a disorder more than a disease, which is real and valid, and causes people to be consumed and overly fixated on the euphoric high something gives them, consumed to the point where nothing and no one matters. Um, so when people are like, I'm so addicted to social media, it's like, no, no. <laughs> Please don't dismiss like the actual real life harm and, and struggle and challenge and journey of someone who has addictive disorders or uses um, something that is like their, their life hinges on it. Okay. Yep, got that. Yeah. <laughs> so when we ended our last, um, our last episode, Bellamy said some delightfully, delightfully insightful things about why we're, why we have chosen to left social leave social media. I think I left about a year, year and a half ago. Um, and also why we're creating, what it means to have to rebuild and create new spaces to still engage with people when so many people are used to social media because the pull constantly every day, I'm like, maybe I should just go onto social media and I'd be able to find some people and then I'd be able to engage with them and it would be better. And then I forget all of the risky, dangerous, hard parts and the fact that it keeps me from actually making things that need to happen in the world. Um, but for Bellamy, you were pointing out that it's it's not just toxic and it's not just draining. It's actually physically dangerous. Uh, yeah. So I noticed. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit worried about my connection. You can hear me okay, right? Yep. Okay. I noticed um, as I was building like my freelance writing career, if we can call it that, uh, a lot of the specifically Black women who were sort of in the same line of work um, 
were being kind of intensely harassed online and on um, like on Twitter, there were always DMs and still there are always like screenshots of DMs of some men or whoever somewhere um, saying horrific things or threatening horrific things. And um, then there are, you know, documented cases of black women who whose houses were swatted and who um, have been doxxed and who have just had their actual real life um, in person <laughs> lives threatened. Um, it's not just online harassment, which is bad enough, but there's also this extra step of people going through the trouble to find out where you live and find out where your kids go to school and figure out how they can actually harm you. And for me, a few years ago, like I realized that nothing I have to say is worth my safety and like nothing that I... I don't know, like there's like there's no points that I need to make so badly on social media that I'm willing to risk having uh, having the FBI come to my house because they think I'm a terrorist or something like that. Like I just like it's it's just not worth it to me. Like my cause is worth it and my feelings are worth it, but the the part where I have to sacrifice myself or my family and our safety to make those points like just doesn't it doesn't work for me. And maybe that means I'm not radical enough or brave enough, and that's fine. I'm not. I um I'm unwilling to do it. And I'm also, as I was kind of learning more about this, it's also as I was becoming a single parent, and so you have that sort of heightened um fear of being the only adult in the house. Um, and it just it's just it's just too much. And I think when we think, oh well, if you're not on social media, you're not doing anything, then we are forgetting. <laughs> all the like <laughs> we're forgetting you know all of the all of the many people before us who made radical change without social media and also we're forgetting that like no one is entitled to a, a daily tracker of like my every thought like no one is entitled to 10 tweets a day about what I'm mad about or current events or this or that like I still have those thoughts but no one is entitled to it I don't owe it to anyone and at the same time, I still want to do my work and figure out how to how to do my work and and influence people without being an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. For me, I've only been seriously, seriously scared where I actually, under normal circumstances, don't call the cops. I had no other choice. I was like, I need to let you know that if someone calls me in to be swatted, my house is not dangerous. This is... A, an evil person on Reddit. Um, so, but I can't admit, like, you know, we all get being feminine or anywhere aligned with non-white men on the internet means you're going to get rape threats. You're going to get threats to be docs. You're going to get like, uh, <laughs> right. Especially if you're doing anything with children, because the people are like, we have to protect the children from you people. Right. I want to teach about, I don't know. Uh, what is it? Like where. <laughs> Um, recruiting, <laughs> right? Recruiting into our lifestyle, <laughs> building a tiny little army of six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> a pile of children; they'd be everywhere. <laughs> so there's nothing. There's nothing more able to be controlled than a, a pile of children. There's yeah. nothing, <laughs> nothing less wily than a, than a pile of children. Ah, an army yeah. of so. So I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? Oh, it's just a mosh pit. Right. <laughs> so, so we're, um, I'm thinking about like, and it always comes, it's not like you're like, okay, on Tuesday, I'm going to prepare to be threatened and I'm going to set some time aside. Like, you don't plan for that. Right. <laughs> you don't plan for it. And it's like, and, and yeah. And just the, the mental and emotional labor of having to constantly search for your own name and find out like, oh, the Federalist is linking to me. <laughs> what what fresh hells is this going to be bringing? <laughs> <laughs> what fresh hells? So <laughs> many fresh hells. And it's not even and it's not even from the far far right all the time. Sometimes it's just from like some white 
who sees herself as progressive, who just doesn't like the way you're doing things and she gets angry about it, right? So it's not even like it's it's not even the, the most extreme neo-Nazis who are coming for us. Sometimes it's the people who they're like, well, you said it wrong or right. Um, but there's there's real life threats and there's emotional threats. And this isn't to to dismiss the emotional and mental labor of the exhaustion of having to search for yourself on the internet to make sure that your private information is gone and constantly having to contact people and be like, take that down, please. Um, and then there's just like the basic, like annoying things like DMC takedowns. They're like, you gave my book a negative review. We're going to sue you. And you have to like, how much, how many times am I going to have to like Google? Can they, can they do that? Like, can I praise right. It's just, it's a lot. And I don't think people see that. They just see like the, the snappy posts and they don't see the, also the stuff that we're not posting because it's, we're like, what's going to happen? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think there's even some understanding that like, that there's, there's some understanding that there's labor involved, but there's no, there's very little understanding of like the threats and yeah. things like that that are involved. Like the extra, the extra labor. Like this, it's just fucking scary. Right. If yeah. it's tedious and draining it's terrifying yeah so we'll talk about who this hurts right we're, we're talking about a system this is a system we have established in our culture actually throughout the world and we're talking about who does it hurt because i think when we talk about social media dependency we're picturing like a someone who's for for mo social media is a choice but it doesn't feel like a choice and we're thinking like oh it's really like exhausting me or it's busy and i'm not paying attention with my kids and no we're not talking about that you can figure that out on your own <laughs> scrolling through facebook and instagram is taking time away from your children right <laughs> <laughs> we all know that <laughs> so what we're really talking about is who is the most vulnerable to being exploited and endangered on social media um and this isn't just like uh you know autism autism warrior parents posting their kids meltdowns on social media without their consent. And it's, it's not just about privacy and, and naked photos, but the way that we use social media to fuel what we call our activism actually puts the targeted people that we're trying to be allies and, and accomplices with at disproportionate risk. Because the only way to connect with people with privilege and get them to see us as human is to expose ourselves and make ourselves vulnerable on the internet. Like me saying racism exists does not connect. Me, ex me pointing out like an actual traumatic experience or the background of racism or what it looks like in a day-to-day -day basis, that's what connects with people. But that also exposes me to be vulnerable. Like I can't talk about um, the, the actual real life impact of daily being afraid of what the holistics are gonna do without talking about my fear of someone taking away my kids based on my disability. Um, so we, again, we become the spectacle, right? It's about making ourselves into a spectacle and then constantly having to balance how much of myself do I make a spectacle so they'll see me as human before they don't see me as human, they just see me as the spectacle. And it's just an impossible decision and an impossible balance. Um, and this, in a way, kind of trains us to be consumed by an audience. Like anyone who's, anyone who's been, born after like 1990 has been kind of indoctrinated into this idea. Like, like you said, Bellamy, like this sense that we feel um, obligated to post our every thoughts 10 times a day on Twitter, like, which on the surface, a little bit selfish, but also that sense of like, what happens if I disappear from social media? Do I disappear from real life? Am I relevant? Are people going to care if someone murders me if I'm not on social media? Um, so that, that idea that we, we have an obligation to share so that way people care. So that way when we're like, hey, um, can you show up and can you write a letter to your senator? Um, we need to be topical. We can't just pop up after a year and, and ask for that. Um, right. so, and because the way that social media, we'll get into this more, we are kind of like the cattle that social media churns out. We have this idea that we're doing it to ourselves. We're, we're choosing to register for these apps. We're choosing to do the likes and make the posts. So it feels like an intentional choice, not a manipulation. Um, but and once we get into it, we end up terrified to leave. While at the same time, terrified to make a mistake, right? So this is not the same thing as like, I'm bored. <laughs> this is this is an impossible line that people are balancing on. And it's a, it's a constant struggle where people are like, I'm going to leave social media. Oh, wait, I lose uh, my income. I lose, and I've lost, my income has gone down by like a third to a half since I left social media. Mm -hmm. 
it was not high to start out with. <laughs> Still creating stuff, creating more, better stuff, but without, um, a lot of people aren't willing to go to that second location. <laughs> so if we're talking about the bigger problem and how this upholds the hierarchy and feeds into systemic injustice, like let's talk about, it's called a feed for a reason. Because social media apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, they're designed to benefit their paying customers. They're not designed to benefit the user at all. Not at all designed to benefit us. There might be creators who are trying to tell us how great we are and trying to create stuff and give it to us, but the actual companies themselves have no interest in our well-being. Um, what they do have an interest is, is selling ads to companies, right? We are the livestock, we are the product. Our attention is the, the product in the attention economy. And that false connection is like that, the gruel that they're feeding us, the salt lick to keep us coming back. So that shallow imitation of relationship building, the likes and the shares and that feeling like you're seen without actually being seen, it actually keeps us coming back to the salt lick, right? And it becomes, we become dependent on it. So if we as followers, let's look at ourselves as followers, not creators, if we remove, if we refuse to move to that second location, right? Like someone says, you know, I want to get off social media. So I'm making like a, a little private group or something. If we refuse to move to that second location, it forces the targeted person who still needs to be heard and who is still educating you usually for free to stay on an open network where anyone can attack them from any angle at any time. Anyone. Right. And it's terrifying and like creating something for the masses where you don't know who's going to see it, how they're going to construe it, how much background knowledge they have. Like the number of times I have explained to people why I identify as autistic and not a person with autism and, and how they can't tell me how to identify is ridiculous. And that's like the most mild, right? The most, right. like it's exhausting. So what happens is if we if we as followers re refuse to you know pay for our news right you think about the paywall or like support npr pay for the the actual local courses um we're actually just forcing these people to create more crappy shallow content on social media they have to stay there they have to expose themselves to to who knows what kind of dangers and then we're and they and they have to be outraged openly outraged all of the time yes right they never like you don't get a break from being very very mad about anything that happens <laughs> but just constantly and I don't like it just doesn't even it can't even be healthy for for them even if nothing else matters just the idea that when we go to social media we expect that activists advocates or anything will always be outraged will always have something like clever and pithy to say about what someone else did wrong like expecting someone to stay in that negative space and, and be the fuel for you to not actually have to get mad, but just have to click like on their anger. It's just like, it doesn't, it just can't be right. Like it can't, it can't be healthy for anyone. Yeah. I don't need people to have vicarious feelings about my thoughts on waterfalls. I hate them. Right. <laughs> so sad. Waterfalls. They just sit there and they don't do anything. Everyone loves them, but all everyone loves them. It's just water doing what water does. It goes where there's places to go. Gravity is the real hero here. Gra gravity. <laughs> sure. I think gravity might always be the hero. <laughs> Where would we be without it? Except when it's the villain. Okay. <laughs> so like, if we think about how, how our complicity in social media, our following people, we genuinely like, we want to boost them, we want to share them, we want to like with them, and how that actually further isolates targeted folks who need social media. And they need a bare minimum of followers and donations to survive. Because if you have like a, I don't know, like a conversion rate of some, some number of people are going to be donating. And if you're not on social media, you're going to have that churn. It's we have to stay and it sucks. So I think of it like a lot of people are like, well, oh, social media is so awful. I go there to make friends. I go there to stay connected, to keep up with my family. And basically it's like visiting a dumpster to meet people. And you're like, everyone I met is trash. <laughs> Why are you surprised? <laughs> everyone I met is trash. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good so, one. Takeaway. Too long didn't didn't listen. It's just don't be trash. Don't force your friends to become trash, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> Drag into the trash can. They're going to become trash. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> Sorry to offend anyone. You're you're not trash. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. If you're trash, you're still okay. You can still do great things even when you're, like out of the trash can. So, uh, I mean, even great parties and delicious meals spoil if they last too long. And a lot of these things have lasted too long, right? Yeah. And to demolish. So. Remember last episode, we talked about how, how we, co- how collectors collect folks here. Here's like a, the examples of what that might look like. And it, that same exact thing can really apply to social media when you're following as allies and followers and, and whatever. Think about luring your vulnerable friend into a space where they will be at risk, re-traumatized, or just feel unsafe. And like the other, I didn't have to update my notes. Same, exact same notes. <laughs> Same note, dehumanizing them by showing them off and placing them on a pedestal. Oh, look at all these amazing, I follow Ibram Kendi. Look how woke I am. (laughs) I'm the wokest. (laughs) Reading today. No, that book is too long. Uh, (laughs) So long. (laughs) Can I just say, I worked at the Virginia um, uh, Center for the Book and when I got there, they were planning the, the book festival and Ibram Kendi was going to be there and everybody was so excited about this book and somebody handed me that book and I was like, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Will not ever. I did see him speak. It was great, but no. <laughs> He's a very smart man. Who... Yes, with a, with a very long book. <laughs> Maybe it was a series of three books, maybe. Like you'd be like, I can tackle that. Right. No, the one, no. But he no. doesn't. One for kids now or something. Yes, and yeah. I have to say I love the author, I love the illustrator, and I think that he's a great activist. But the board book for babies—that's not for babies. That's for grown-ups. If you, yeah. uh, what is it? Be anti-racist baby. Yes, that's just to show off to your friends. Well, it, I mean, well, Ted Cruz says that it proves that um, we clearly think that babies are racist <laughs> because of that book. <laughs> So, so I think I think that you're wrong, and Ted Cruz is right. Babies are racist, and the book is for babies. <laughs> babies, like that—that's too many words. Has, he met a toddler. I know he has a daughter. So, like, but yeah. And I I use a lot of words with my kids. Like, I do not talk to my kids with baby talk. But like, that's just too many words. They're not going to comprehend it. Okay. <laughs> These are my very, I need you to feel vicariously my strong feelings on this. Yes, you're very passionate about it. And I think that, that is passionate about performative board books. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's valid. <laughs> okay. So when we think about more, more collection, more signs that you're collecting people, sharing or talking about a friend's experience to gain sympathy, reputation, or profit. Boom. Same. Right? Same. Yep. Not- to them ignoring their cues and barging through their boundaries like think of how many times have you slid into someone's dms expected personal responses on a comment not read the group guidelines like no (laughs) um i do have some people who have read all the guidelines they're like you don't have to respond i have this question you can do it correctly but most people don't right um and then, of course, using your token minority whatever friend to reassure you when you've done something problematic. Like <laughs> in the comments on a person who's talking about their personal experience being like, oh, but I do that. Do you think I'm like that? Or like, well, I don't do that. I'm not like them. And like, that's why I always support Black women. Just, Ugh. Right. <laughs> Am I good enough yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So we'll take a brief segue. Do, 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 do. Music. Good ideas to avoid. Okay. There's two, there's two ideas. I couldn't pick one. Should we talk about the terrible advice podcast or should we talk about me pretending that I'm a white woman named Catherine? So <laughs> these are both two of my favorite things. <laughs> I think that maybe Catherine wins because I think, I also think if we did an advice podcast, it wouldn't be bad advice. It would, I don't think it would be bad advice. I think it would be just advice from people to, from two people that are not trained to give advice. Okay. But it wouldn't be bad. We'll talk to that one later. Right now, let me let me let me tell you guys. So 
I took a business class and the business class is like, if you want to make money doing the things that you do, and I'm like, well, I don't want to, but I kind of have to, to eat. And they're like, and then you have to design a client avatar. You have to design the one person who's the perfect person who's willing to give you money for the things that you make. And I'm like, oh, that is a nice person. And they're like, so you have to design this person. And I'm like, okay, but I designed that person. Her name is Nika. She is a lovely person. However, I also stumbled upon Catherine, my anti-client. <laughs> Anti-avatar. And something about my brain is really hooked on Catherine. It all started with this really basic, super boring website. I'm sure designed by a lovely, lovely person named Catherine, but it was so fucking basic. And it's just a lot of pictures of her staring out the window and drinking tea. And I was like, man, I want that life. I want that life so hard. That woman has no responsibilities. That woman makes a passive income. That woman is like, oh, the news. Nah. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> and I just started thinking about like, what if, what if I had that life? What would life be like if I was a white woman named Catherine, right? Because someone named Catherine, like her parents, Catherine's parents were nervous about like, what if people mispronounce her name or no, right? So they're like, let's just name her Catherine to be safe. Let's not name her after a continent, but like just stick a random fucking H in there, right? Yeah, let's not. Or in the case of my parents, let's not name her after a second cousin that was born two months before her. Let's give her a new name. <laughs> she gets I have to make my own new name. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so a white woman named Catherine has parents who might care and be be thinking about the future. Parents who plan a little bit, right? Catherine. Wildly invested parents. <laughs> Catherine, which isn't to like knock my parents, but like they're not planners. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> I'm, knocking, I'm knocking parents. <laughs> what happens when this baby is one? So Catherine gets invited to the party as a guest, right? She's never like, hey, can you come to this party? It turns out you're the caterer. And she's never like the guest speaker. She's just like, she's just someone who shows up and has a good time. <laughs> She doesn't have to be the diversity. No diversity. Wow. This particular Catherine, there's a lot of Catherines. I actually know a lot of really great Catherines who do take personal responsibility and change the world. But this one particular Catherine who does like a lot of drinking tea and she has a lot of very expensive throw pillows. Um, she has no responsibility to change the world, right? She's just like, oh, that's so sad for them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> my heart thoughts and prayers thoughts and thoughts prayers. and prayers and a like and a little like little, little heart like one like like yeah. i i am aware i'm aware of things going in the world i'm smart so and Catherine is a novelist who doesn't write novels right she's just like i'm a, what do you do i'm a novelist <laughs> because you can get away with being a novelist who doesn't write novels because you can always like it's in production no one's watching write your novel oh so good <laughs> and then so i'm i, I spend an ridiculous amount of time thinking like what would my life be like if I was Catherine a white woman named Catherine <laughs> Catherine runs an espresso machine so she's so fancy <laughs> yeah of because her parents are rich so uh and then I realize I'm like walking and I'm telling Bellamy about this and it just hits me oh no I have just become the plot to American-born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang who uh spoilers skip ahead 30 seconds. He, he's an Asian kid who gets bullied by a white kid, but it turns out the whole time he's the white kid, like, or he's the Asian kid who's just imagining himself as a blonde kid. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but it just, it makes my life feel better because what would Catherine do, right? And so good ideas to avoid is actually moving through the world like a white woman named Catherine because I would get myself murdered so fucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> but also i started a journal <laughs> catherine the catherine has a journal has a journal it's more like so every morning i wake up and i do my routine where i'm like don't forget to put on pants and i and i go what would catherine do and then i write like a few a few lines for instance Today, Catherine would meet up with friends for an unmasked brunch. She finds them a little boring and feels she has outgrown them, but hanging out with them makes her feel superior. And then she'd go home and passively watch a Margaret Atwood masterclass for the next novel she's been working on for six years while eating a butternut squash lean cuisine. She will not apply anything she listens to in the masterclass to her novel. 
<laughs> and it always ends a little sad because then I'm like, oh, my life is a choice. I choose to do this because like as much as my physical 20, next 24 hours very much wants to just go do that, my life is better because I choose it because I'm doing stuff and I'm not an asshole. Right. So that's how I'm getting through the world. Anyway, good ideas not to do. Move through the world like Catherine. Catherine. <laughs> or do it. Whatever. If you can. Uh, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> <End> of segments. <laughs> okay. So back to social media and not dragging people into it. How do we hold space for each other? How do we protect each other if we're not on social media? Do we still exist if we're not social media? Can we still be friends with people? Yes, we can. So doing the bare minimum, uh, meeting us in a safer space. Like I have a lot of friends on social media. I would like to actually like talk with them or connect with them, but they're not willing to go to a second location, right? Um, and then it can be digital. It can be a Zoom chat. It could be like texting. It could be like emails or a shared. I've had a lovely relationships on a shared Google document <laughs> where we just. <laughs> my friends are nerds. That's clever. <laughs> um, but just going to that second location, making a little bit of a, an effort, right? Um, and it's scary because a lot of people want to be like, "Well, how do I stay connected to four hundred people that way?" Don't like. Yeah, yeah. Most of them you don't want to be connected with. And you're not actually connected on social media. Yeah. I think that's like, yeah, that's not a real connection. You're aware. <laughs> you know the highlight reels of what they're doing, but you're not actually connected. Yeah. And it's like the 300, don't forget, 396 of those 400 people are trash. Trash. <laughs> trash. Everyone is lovely and everyone deserves basic human rights, but also trash. We love people. <clears throat> <laughs> We're kind. Okay, tagline, kind. Kind, so kind. But also trash, be kind and courageous to trash. So doing, meeting up in that safe space and like just narrowing it down, like that forces you to prioritize and be like, oh no, I'll have to prioritize my time with my friends. And like, yes, that's what makes them friends. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I know, right? <laughs> And then there's also like, oh, no, what if I leave social media? Everyone will notice and be angry at me. No, no one cares. No one needs media. Like, no one's going to get angry. They're just going to assume you have a much cooler life. Like, everyone I know who's not on social media, I'm like, oh, my God, the person's really, really cool. Yeah, super awesome. Right? All the coolest people you know don't have social media accounts. Okay. So making the effort to go to a second location. Also, like, respecting affinity spaces um like making it so that way you can have an affinity space a lot of people when when we're like we talked about this um creating an affinity space and people in the dominant group are like how dare you create a space where i'm not invited but dude in real life you're not invited to my party right like right now everyone is invited everywhere um and social media has given us the illusion that we are all invited to every every place and everyone's thoughts all the time Yes, it is not the kindergarten birthday party where you have to invite everyone, including the kid who like poops his pants. So if we can just like, if we can just remember that we're humans and we cannot actually invite the whole world into our space and we'll be like, oh, that's why I'm so exhausted. I'm hosting a party for the entire world in my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> a very good way to put it. Right. So like normalizing and revisiting and reworking how we show up in a space, because a lot of us have, I don't know, has, this has probably been for the dawn of humanity, but we're, we're like elder millennials. So we don't know what it's like to not be in a digital space with people. But um, can you be in a space and just like passively sit and watch? And that is so disturbing. Like as a person who gives presentations and talks and webinars, people who are just sitting there, like just with a passive look and just like, sitting oh it's so unnerving like looking for a little bit come on <laughs> I don't, if you're flapping but just like don't just sit there just like, pop up are you angry at me am i saying something wrong i don't know <laughs> more and more but <laughs> just like what does it mean to passively engage in social media like if someone has to actually take the thing and put it in front of you and then so that way all you have to do is scroll like there has to be more reciprocity to that. If you're educate, if someone is worth following and learning from, they're worth more than just 
like a twitch of your thumb, right? It has to be, that has to be not transactional, but it has to be a little bit more reciprocal. Right. And yeah, then- I, well, I just want to say that I think when I was kind of at my, my worst time, um, I found social media just made me feel worse because it was like, oh, thank you for the 15 likes. Turns out, still alone, nothing is solved. Like, <laughs> turns out, you know, like, it's, it's, there's this hollow feeling. Like, the best feeling is when I write something or do something and someone sends me an actual email or a personal message that doesn't, that, that doesn't require anything from me, but it's actually like, thank you for writing this. Thank you for saying this. Like, those are the things that matter, but we are just, like, we're not stuck because we can get out of it, but we are stuck in this society where the like is supposed to be good enough and it's supposed to make you feel like your work is valued. And that is so very shallow. It is, I, I, I'm sorry to offend anyone. It's just so shallow <laughs> and like I, when, you, when you really think about it. And they don't have anything they, they can give other than a thumb twitch, in which case we say like, reduce the number of people you're thumb twitching for, right? Just yep. like, reduce it you'll have more you'll have twice the thumb twitches and maybe like an email twitch um and this is also another thing where we talked about like ask not the golden rule don't treat people the way you want to be treated treat people the way they would they're telling you to be treated so like for bellamy wants a direct email for me dear god don't fucking email me ever (laughs) 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 i'm like follow the podcast donate the money make a comment on my website like that would be awesome that is helpful to me I get those Google points. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, but you don't like emails, but I, because you don't like inboxes, but I'm like a person who currently has 2,000 unread emails. I don't care. Like, I don't think about it. I don't care. I scroll <laughs> past all my red dots on my phone. Like, I just don't care at all. And I was kind of like laughing at myself yesterday about this. I was like, I don't, this doesn't affect me. Like, the only one that bothers me is, like, the app where I actually speak to people that I want to hear from. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get to that person. Otherwise, I don't care. But but when you, like, write an essay that is, like, heart and soul and you've cried your way through it, and you're just, like, it's not hard for me to write the essays, but it's just nice to have that, like, that more personal way. And it could be, I mean, it could be a DM, but you can't find me on, like, where on social media can you DM me? Nowhere. So an email. <laughs> yeah, on Revolutionary Humans, it's very easy to contact you, right? Yes, yes. So you can tell if someone has their contact information on the web, contact them, right? That's not hard. If they don't, don't search for it. <laughs> don't. Do not search for Asia's email. <laughs> not interested. No, but like, but that's, that's what I mean by like, believe us. Like Bellamy has her email. She has contact forms and stuff. So contact her. That's what they're for, right? Um. And <laughs> it feels like you shouldn't have to say this all out loud, but like, like if you have a giant sign on your back that says, follow me, follow me. Oh, right. oh don't follow them. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so interesting, though. Like people always people tend to think that they know what you need or know what you want more than you do. And maybe not all people. There's definitely like a subset of people that that believe that. But if you don't have your email address and your contact information out for the world to see. You are clearly telling the world to not contact you that way. Right? It's like earbuds. It's like earbuds on a train and I'm reading a book. That doesn't mean I want to talk to you. Right. right? Yeah. Like, take the hint. Anyway. <laughs> so I actually have a new, um, a new newsletter um, on the Books for Littles website where like, if you want to follow, if you want updates when you get the podcast, you can put in your email, you can sign up for a newsletter, I'll send you a thing once a week. However, if you want to stay on that newsletter, you have to do one of three things. Either click the thing that said, did you find this email helpful? Yes or no. Click either link. I don't give a shit, but click one of them just to let me know that you're actually reading it. And or comment on the website or something or reply and just be like, here's how to make this awesomer, right? Or like, I couldn't read this. Or you have a typo. Here, let me help you out, right? Or pay me money, right? (laughs) Those three. (laughs) Just getting the emails, letting them pile up in your inbox, never opening them, which by the way, actually hurts people because then you go to spam more often. So like, I don't think people realize how damaging it is when we're shouting into the void and getting nothing back and it's actually like mentally disturbing yeah 
in addition to just hurting our ability to reach the people who want to, who need us, right? So oh, the other thing we're talking about, like how to hold space for people and protect each other is also take a break. Like social media, because it's always on, we feel like we need to move posts every day. We need to follow it every day. We don't want to miss anything, but it's actually really important that we take a break because imagine going on like a four month vacation with your best friend and being together 24 hours a day. Like, no, <laughs> you would not be best friends anymore. Yeah. Take breaks yeah. with each other. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, my brain went down a path and no. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so bad. <laughs> yeah. You're having a fun time without us. It's all happening inside your brain. It is. I'm so sorry. I... <laughs> your best friend. You're like, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. But also, I have been trapped with my children for at least four months. And I think that I just, <sighs> yeah, I just was thinking with another adult. No, just no. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> would have to take your children away from you sometimes right like that's yeah you need a break we need a break it's too right right and that's that same toxic thing of like to be a parent doesn't mean to be holding your child 24 hours a day unfortunately i took those attachment parenting books like literally because i am autistic and i was like you can't put the baby down no my god (laughs) (laughs) i was tired hold hold the baby forever it's okay it worked out you're you're not holding the baby currently so i think it worked out i mean yeah after like a while i put this up he's much better developed <laughs> <laughs> sorry you guys when you're listening to this later okay um so call, call to action assignment Okay, so here we get how we're gonna transform the things we talked about into being in the real world. And like, no one's gonna be like, you have to leave social media right away. Like, maybe that's not, especially for people with disabilities, this is like the only way we can connect with other people sometimes. But I mean, like, if, if, you're, if you're on social media because you feel an obligation to be on social media as an accomplice or an ally, this is that specific scenario where you're like, oh no, I won't be able to like follow the disability community and know what's going on. A lot of people have websites that you can bookmark and visit. A lot of people have newsletters you can follow. Um, A lot of people actually have like phone numbers you can call even. Um, But the the key is to ask where people would actually prefer to engage. Because I think regularly I'm like, what if we didn't do Facebook? How do we get off Facebook? And there's, there's no, there's no easy way, but a lot of people just assume that because you're on Facebook or because you're on Instagram, that's where you want to be, right? Yeah. And like you said, no one's like, Instagram is my my home. Like, no. Where I belong. <laughs> We're only there because that's where you are. Right. <laughs> I thought you wanted to, I thought you wanted to go to this restaurant. No, I thought you wanted I to. Thought you wanted to go. And now we both have food poisoning. <laughs> Damn it. And we're stuck <laughs> together for four months. This is the worst. <laughs> I thought you wanted to go to Phoenix. I thought you wanted to go to Phoenix. Oh. <laughs> now sunburns and we are yeah. food poisoned. Okay. So, okay. If you need guidance on this, like, and we're constantly, constantly experiencing with ways to make community off of social media. So Bellamy has a new program, program, initiative, collective, called When We Gather, that is at revolutionaryhumans.com. And it is very easy to find. That's gonna have so many cool things and I am going to be joining, um, I'm a member. And then also uh, I have two things. One is the Luminary Brain Trust, which right now is a Facebook group because again, like I don't wanna be on Facebook, but that's where the people are. Um, and I'm gonna be moving it over to my website this year. So no one has to get like, you don't have to go to the group and then get stuck on an endless feed because it is designed to get to stick you there. So we're working on getting Lunar Brain Trust off. And if you want to join that, the best way is to go to patreon.com slash books for littles. And it's like the luminary tier gets into that. Um, 
And then we also have like our incubators, right? Like, so this winter we worked on an incubator about what does it mean to take a break? What does it mean to identify? We actually have like helpful resources on how do you identify if your space, whether it's on social media, digital, or in real life is becoming toxic? Like what are the red flags that it's becoming toxic? And what can you do to either distance yourself or transform that space and take responsibility? Um, so that's what the, the, the incubator works on, right? Like in spring, we work on relationships. In summer, we work on what does effective action mean? Ah, okay, so that's your call to action. Go to revolutionaryhumans.com. That's like the main thing. Go do that and come join us. What are, there. It's great. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are we doing? Uh, yeah, so when we gather, the idea is maybe, I don't know, once or twice a week, dedicate a few minutes to go into the When We Gather membership portal and find an activity or two or journal prompt or something that interests you or figure out what, what book we're reading and um, then get back offline and back off your screen and go do the thing. And so, um, and so there are art prompts, there are things you can do with your kids. It's all based on the idea of, um, it's, it's still based on the idea of like social justice and, and working toward a, a generally better world and community. But, um, but I do it a little, I do it a little differently. And on top of the different prompts and things that you'll find there that are updated monthly, um, there will also be three virtual live gatherings per month that are completely optional. Uh, one is a guided themed discussion based on the theme for the month. Um, one will be sort of an open chat. And then we'll also do a book club, which I think to start with, we're just going to do um, chapters of All About Love from Bell Hooks um, while we kind of get things going and, and get more people to join. I I think it, I, I like the idea of committing to reading a chapter and kind of doing a deep dive of a chapter. I think that might be really cool. Nice. That is awesome. Okay. So we're going to join for that. Over in the Luminary Brain Trust, which when it is over on the website, I have, we're going to focus on sabotage this year. I've decided previous years, we focused on trauma stewardship and activism burnout. All those posts are actually still on the Facebook group. If you want to just like DIY your own little course there. Um, <clears throat> and then for the last two years or so, we focused on white supremacy culture or just supremacy culture and how we're complicit in it in these little ways. But this year, I'm going to do sabotage, both learning how to sabotage this, the karaoke from within if you like, if you have access to privilege and power and systems, right? But then also, how are you accidentally sabotaging in the initiatives that you actually want to succeed? Um, because most of us are doing that all the time. So it's going to be fun. It just seems like a fun topic. Um, and then I think we're probably going to get together for, for live hangouts or maybe like a Marco Polo group. I'm not sure. Something asynchronous, preferably. But yeah, so we're going to figure it out. And then we're going to figure out a way to like combine and bundle so you don't have to pick between one or the other. You can join both of us. It's going to be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. And this is not to say it's all like a hard sell. You can get this, like, we're not inventing anything. This is just like a framework where we can join our people, right? All of the stuff that you need to connect with other people exists in other places. It doesn't necessarily have to be with us, but it doesn't have to be on social media. That is the point. Right. <laughs> if, you, if you walk away with one thing today, it is that, yeah, life happens off of social media and cool connections can happen off of social media. And we hope that you will join us off of social media <laughs> for some of those cool connections. We will give you food poisoning. <laughs> and that. Right? <laughs> we'll wrap this up and then we'll be back next week with, I don't know, something. I'll figure it out. And yeah. book courses will be on the website. Books for Littles, for now, it's on booksforlittles.com forward slash podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll have extra links. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.